Our brand new How It Works feature is looking into new industries and looking into the way in which things work, and we try and explain them better. How does South Africa's tequila industry work? But we're not allowed to call it tequila. You've got to call it agave spirit, um, a bit like sherry and port and things like that. You can't call them that because they don't come from the correct region. Now, Nick and Martin van Dusbra are a father and son team with Dutch and Belgian forefathers, long line of brewers and distillers in the family. So it's only right that they've pursued this in their own right. Martin is the co-founder of Agave, Grafrenet startup. It makes Agave spirit uh, that you would better know as tequila. He's also the head of economics at Cape Peninsula University of Technology in studio with us this evening. Martin, this this whole, um, like I suppose tequila, like port and champagne, the name tequila is particularly protected. Hi, Bruce. Uh, good evening to your listeners and thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, it's... um. A lot of people feel that it's actually, you know, merely to protect the Mexican producers, unfortunately, and not so much to protect the actual product. Um, the, the, the origin is that the blue agave, which is grown in the region of Jalisco and four other states in, the, in Mexico, are the only states that are able to produce tequila. So even in other states in Mexico, they're not allowed to produce <laughs> Uh, tequila, so it's kind of counterproductive for their own industry. But yeah, as you rightly say, like champagne and port and ouzo and and these others, it's uh, it's to protect the the brand. I feel more than the the actual industry. So we're making a hundred percent pure agave spirit, one hundred percent exactly the same as the product that's made in the in Mexico. Um, but you're hundred percent right. We're not allowed to call it tequila, so we are. Forced to call it agave spirit, but in a way, I feel that there might be an there might be an opportunity there in in, in promoting it as an African agave spirit rather than a, a Mexican tequila. What what is the agave plant exactly? I mean, is it a prickly pear bush? What it's is a it? it's an interesting one. A lot of people think it's a cactus. It's not. It's a succulent. So it's a succulent, and um, it's an incredibly hardy plant. And as you know, if you travel practically anywhere really through the Karoo, you'll see on the sides of the road these agave plants. Um, the origin, again, is also not 100% known. There's a story that goes that uh, the Spaniards or Portuguese sailors 200 years ago used to bring the agave piña, which is the heart, uh, in the in the bottom of their ships as they they used it for ballast. And that's one of the stories that how it got to Africa and to South Africa. So not indigenous then to Definite, South Africa. Definitely not, but grows wonderfully well. The plant we use, which is the um, uh, the uh, Americana, it's called the Agave Americana. Because there are lots of there. I mean, I'm looking now at at Agave Wikipedia, and yeah. that tells me there's Americana, Augustifolia, uh, Tequiliana, yeah. uh, Tentua, well, unpronounceable Iana, <laughs> uh, more complicated Iana. Uh, but you use Agave so we, Americana, which is family of the. Uh, the blue agave, which is the common name for the tequila-based product. And it looks like it it does, I mean, it's a broad-leafed, aloe-looking plant. Indeed. So um, what we do from the production of of agave spirit or production of tequila is we cut all those leaves off completely as close to what we call the heart as possible, the Spanish term piña, and then you're left with about an 80 kilogram on average. They weigh between 50 and 100 kilograms. So on average, you're left with an 80 kilogram ball, if you like, piña, similar to pineapple. It looks like a shaved pineapple. That 
that ball is then um, only the starting point because the the plant contains inulin, which is a, which the plant uses to to uh, create nutrition, and it's a very very complex um, carbohydrate and starch uh, combination. So that this this how long does it take for a plant to produce this fifty to one hundred kilogram ball of magic? Well, in South Africa, the plants we're using are up to 12 years old, on average 10 to 12 years old. And in Mexico, where they have refined the production process or the growing process, should I say, um, around about eight years, six to eight years. I mean, so it takes you, you plant the seed yeah. and it takes 10 to 12 years in South Africa to produce a single ball. Correct. This, what's it called again? The pina, pen? the heart. Yeah, the pina. pina. I would say piñata, but it's a piña. Yeah. Um, to, <laughs> to produce the heart of this thing. I mean, it's a huge work of patience and Correct. time. Correct. And in South, in South Africa, much, many of our plants ha- actually have been growing in the wild. And it's only really in that Crafrenet region, just outside Crafrenet, where, um, the farmers that I'm involved with started planting in, you know, in, in proper plantation methods where, you know they're planting regularly each and every year. The plant is is a, is a great mother because what what she does is when when the plant is harvested before she's harvested she's already um, given out several hundred smaller plants before she dies. So she would naturally die in any case at about twelve thirteen years. It's an interesting one that that it takes so long. They call it in in Mexico they call it the the widow's. Um, the widow's plant because you know the, the husband that that uh, that ends up uh, planting and and working the lands and so on never actually sees the the benefit of the plant because he yeah. he, might, he might have passed on um but so so the, what you ha- what you've been harvesting up until now then are uh, naturally occurring plants and the, the the cultivation of these plants is fairly new because yeah. there was a, a bit of a boom a, a bit of a can I call it a boom um, yeah. one of our colleagues invested in an early startup yeah. in agave um about 10 or 12 years ago and he was so excited when he heard you were coming in and then realized you weren't his investment his investment <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he was most disappointed by that um but but i mean there was I have I mean, worn my bulletproof Yeah. He's <laughs> quite scary. I, um, yes, about a decade ago, there was this big hype and excitement. I can fill you in on that briefly. Um, I wasn't one of the investors, and we've got nothing to do with them, quite correct. Um, but uh, I must give those businessmen credit. They did, they did see the potential at that time. What had happened is in 2003, there was a massive shortage of um, plant in Mexico. Because they had a problem with a weasel, weevil rather, which actually was destroying the plants. And, and Mexico was actually looking for alternative growing areas. And to cut a long story short, this group of businessmen started, um, this production facility. But I've got it on, on good uh, record from people that were involved from the beginning that it seems that it might have been more an investment vehicle rather than actually a business. In fact, they'd, they'd raised the money before they'd ever learned how to produce one, you know, one liter of the product and had to fly in specialists from France, uh, specialist fermenters because they had production problems, etc. So it, it was a bit of a sad, um, investment case, but I think yeah. had it been done differently and not perhaps as big as they had, because they went with huge, huge, huge capacity, talking 16,000 liters up to 20,000 liters a month. 
Um, and the idea was just to, you know, penetrate the Mexican market and the American market, which are the two big markets of the world. We're doing something completely different. We're the slow um, craft. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear all about how you take this great big potato-like pineapple yeah. looking thing of eighty kilograms, and convert it to tequila. But we'll find out not tequila to agave spirit. <laughs> uh, we'll find out how you do that in a moment. Martin van Dusbra is the founder, co-founder at Agave. Uh, in his spare time, he's the head of economics at the <laughs> Cape Peninsula University of Technology. The Money Show is brought to you by NetBank. Looking at money from every angle leads to better money decisions. See money differently. NetBank. We're talking about taking local produce and adding value. And one of the local uh, uh, bits of produce, uh, agricultural crops around Grafranet, is a particular kind of... um, I want to, it's, it's a succulent. It's not an aloe, but it's a succulent. It looks a little bit like a traditional aloe, but it's not. And inside this thing is called the piña. It takes 10 or 12 years to expand to a level of between 50 and 100 kilograms. And Martin van Dusper, uh, the founder of Agave, then goes in, hacks it out, and then sits with a big lump of potential happiness. How do you get it from the oversized pineapple uh, into, into a bottle of tequila or tequila of agave spirit? That's a, it's a wonderful, uh, process, uh, Bruce. Um, just to give you some history. I mean, we are talking, you've got, you've got hundreds of years of brewing and distilling history yeah. in your blood. Yeah. I mean, so this, this stuff comes to you. It's, well, we've been brewing, or brewing beer for, for many years and we've, we produce our own gin and vodkas and rums and, and, and distilled, other distilled products. But the, the agave spirit is, is a totally unique product because, the the sugars in the piña are not easy to ferment. So the process is, to answer your question, the process is that the agave plant, the piña, then gets cooked, either roasted. What We do it in a traditional way, so we do it in a clay oven. So we roast it for uh, two days. Um, and what happens then is that the complex starches and um, carbohydrates convert into a fermentable sugar. We then take that cooked or roasted or baked uh, piña and we crush it and we juice it so it goes through a milling process and we and we create juice that then is your fermentable product so whereas with a gin or a vodka where they might be using whatever it is rice vo- uh, vo- certain vodkas are made with potatoes certain vodkas are made with um, with basic sugars um, they've already got a simple sugar. So we've got to go through that process first to to break down that complex carbohydrate into a simple sugar. That's then fermented. And um, after that, that we go through the, the distilling process. So that's the process. I mean, how much juice do you get out of an 80-kilogram piña? I thought you were going to ask that. And this is the this is the other scary, uh, uneconomical, if you like, um, <laughs> aspect of this particular plant. We get 5%. So from a... From a hundred, oh. from a hundred kilo, well, not juice, to, to finished product. It's easier for people to understand that. So, so from one hundred kilo piña, we will get five liters of tequila. Oh, okay. It's, it's not yeah. as sub-economic as I thought. I mean, yeah, but, but, but that is, 
it, it's a 12-year process to grow the, the, the pinya. Correct. You then got to harvest the pinya. You've got to roast it for two days. You then got to get the, the complex sugars to a point where they can be fermented. Correct. That's days later. And eventually you manage to eke out five liters yep. of spirit. But it's beautiful. That's a lot of work for not very much spirit. <laughs> it is a lot of work. And, and, and what's happening in the industry, and, that, and that's why we really believe we've got a, a really premium product. I'm not sure if you've managed to sample it yet. but it's Sadly uh, not. I, I still okay. can string a sentence together, if only just. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's another very interesting thing happening in the uh, occurrence, happening in the industry, and it's happened with gin. You've just seen it, where, where you, you're talking about products which were previously considered, and particularly tequila. I'm sure many of your listeners will have wonderful stories about how they you know, drank tequila too much tequila, too fast, uh, and, uh, and, and, absolutely. and swallowed and it too quickly. And, 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 and did extraordinary harm to exa- themselves exactly. and possibly and, others. And so tequila was always considered one of those products, you know, a quick, hard shooter type product. Um, but it's, it, there's a massive change worldwide in the industry. It's becoming a premium, uh, literally talk about premier, premiumization, if, if there is such a word, where, um, you know, one distiller, which, which, which I, which I visited said, if you can, if you can sip your product like a cognac and sit back and relax and enjoy it, then you've got a quality product. And this is what we, we're creating. So we're creating, so all the effort, as you rightly say, does end up though in a premium, uh, product rather than a, you know, an easy to drink, uh, if I can call it rough and ready shooter type product. Yeah, I mean, and again, there's just such a huge range of these sorts of spirits right. around the world, and they range from fairly inexpensive to massively expensive. Well, where do you pace yourself in terms of the pricing um, of your finished product? Well, it's another great question. Um, you know, I consider Don Don Julio to be probably one of the best, or Patron to be one of the best tequilas in the mm. world. And you can get a bottle of, of that in South Africa in the, in the region of 500 rand a bottle. So we've looked very carefully and, and perhaps too carefully with my economic, economics background and so on and, and <laughs> saying we've got to price this product in a, in an area where the consumer gains the benefit. So I'm going to shock you to tell you that we're pricing in the same region as the, as the tequilas that are already on the shelf. So you're looking at 200, mm. 240, 260 rand a bottle. But you've got to be competing. I mean, the, the yeah. trouble is if you price yourself too cheaply, then you come across like one of these cheap whiskeys that yeah. are sort of got a bit of food coloring in them, a spirit with some food coloring, and people then don't trust the brand. And yeah. that's the weird thing about branding and positioning product. Yeah. Um, I mean, Andy Watts, for example, who, who's South Africa's premier whiskey maker, mm-hmm. um, has done very well in terms of positioning South African whiskeys in that premium category of, of spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 as, like you say, and and so has the the gin industry. I mean, the premium gins yeah. on average. Are, well, they've done are, incredibly well at positioning their product. My yeah. goodness gracious me! But there's yes. a you know, I, I don't want to be a, a predictor of problems, but I, I believe there might be some fallout coming in that industry as well because the you know they're, they're not, just they're too many. Players. They're 130. I mean, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. 135 gins made by 65 distilleries. Um, and they've got to all now start fighting for the piece of the pie. So you're already starting to see some of the gins, premium gins, being priced under 300 rand a bottle. And it's happening. It's right now. You can go into your local bottle store and you'll find it. And we believe that with our Garvey Spirit product, we're going to pitch ourselves in that same region. 
because uh, you've got to give the consumer, the South African consumer, access to the product. Otherwise, it, you know, then you could, might just say, well, I'll go and buy Don Julio or Patron. You know. so how, it, how much are you producing? How much, how much yeah, uh, well, spirit are you producing uh, a, a year? Okay, lo- another lovely question. Um, if I can just give you the background to that. So we have a registered yeah. licensed distillery in Cape Town and, um, what we are doing is we are actually we well we started by bringing these piñas, tracking them in to our Cape Town-based operation and producing them here. But you've already heard and seen that the the production process is a very low yield from the bulky product, so it it makes sense for us to produce on the farm in Grafrenet. Um, so at the moment we're only producing a few hundred bottles a week because we're doing it on a small scale. However, and this is the exciting thing, if I may say, and your listeners can have a look at our website and see, we're actually, we're actually busy building right now. We've started building a distillery on the farm. And, and then to come back to production figures, you know, then we could, you know, get into the thousand liters per week type, type scenario. Mm. So we're in that phase at the moment where we're going from relatively small batches, um, to being produced on the farm. And obviously there's a process now of building licensing because our license now exists in Cape Town. And I'm sure many people have told you that the history around licensing distilleries is, a, is not an easy process in, in South Africa for, for various reasons. So this might take another six months to a year before we're in full production on the farm. But um, we will be able to produce significant volumes. We're already talking to some of the, the retailers um, who've got a very keen interest to take it in. So you know, but that's great. I mean, it is about you taking local product, using local skills, local labour, local everything to create a local version of a global product. Fantastic. In the same way as is a competitor to more expensively priced champagnes, yeah. and in some cases, considerably better. Yeah. I mean, if we did a blind tasting of. Yeah. Five agave spirits. Would we sense that yours I, wasn't in in the range? I can tell you in, now in that the same sort of taste profile. I don't want to brag on air, but we've done. No, but that's why I'm asking you the yeah, question. Brag. It's, it's very, question. very unique. It's a wonderfully full flavored agave. You, you immediately recognize it above the others, and it's extremely smooth and easy to sip. Um, and we've, we, we, you're we, like the dad talking about their child who's, <laughs> you know, yeah. not the greatest rugby player, but boy, they try hard. It's a great product. But, but Bruce, I just want to <laughs> touch on one thing quickly because you touched on it Last uh, about yes. the South African, uh, you know, creating jobs and employment. It's not only that we're in Crawford it. We're creating a tourism industry. People can come to the farm. They can walk through the fields. They can see the, uh, the production process. There's a 13 ensuite guest house on the farm. They can stay over. We've got a tequila concert planned for later in the year. So it's it's more just who, about. Who will the, remember what happened? Yeah. <laughs> True story. But it's it's more so about just creating um, this industry, which at the moment yeah. doesn't exist or didn't exist. Are you the only producers of of a government no, in South Africa? No, we're not. Prison? Are there others? There are. There's one other that I know, and, and many of the brands um, are be, being produced under contract by this uh, by, the, by the one other, and he's using the same product, uh, and he's up in uh, the Gauteng area, and um, yeah. also produces a great product. And, and we're we're an, an, and we're not an exclusive industry. We we engage with each other and and we work together. We want to grow the industry and grow the category. Mm. And grow the business and, and create employment. You know, you were just talking about it earlier about these construct. I was listening to you earlier about these constructions, construction firms falling. You know, the export market, we haven't had time now and I can't go into it, but clearly there's a large, you know, export potential. You know, tequila is growing at 16% per annum where many of the other 
alcohol brands are flat. You know, they're growing at 1% we, or half a percent. We must leave it there. Martin, thank you so much for coming in. Martin von Dusborough, who is the founder at Agava. It's a, it's a lovely story. It's a great local story. These guys are distilling all kinds of things and brewing beer uh, and doing amazing things. And the head of economics at Cape Peninsula University of Technology understands also, not only is it fun, but the importance of what they're doing. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield was brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking, bringing you award-winning trade and working capital funding solutions to unlock the full potential of your business story. APSA is a registered FSP.